Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Friday night edition of the program. If you want to join us, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. And uh, top line story tonight, Judge Arthur Engeron, he has prevented Trump, barred him from operating his business in New York for three years and has ordered him to pay $355 million in this fake phony fraud civil trial. They say this was a trial for fraud on Trump. It seems like this was a trial for fraud uh, for the judge, and he proved himself to be a fraudster. Now, I know the the Internet trolls who live on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else that love to hate on me, they're saying, oh, there he goes again, kissing Trump's butt. But this is really about sticking up for what's right or wrong. It's easy to love the people that are nice to you, and it's easy to dislike the people you don't like. But sometimes you just have to you have to force yourself to be fair. It's kind of like admitting a mistake when you make one. Some people are able to do it. Some people don't have the capacity. And in real life, just because you may not like Trump, somebody may not like Trump. He might be uncouth. He might have way too big of a personality. Maybe you think he's a narcissist, whatever it is. It doesn't mean we get to change the laws to bust his balls. That's just it doesn't work that way. It's it's not cool. Because the minute we do it for him, we'll do it to the next person we don't like. And the next person. Now the laws, instead of being objective, they become subjective. Subject to whether we like you or not. Subject to whether your personality fits the mold or not. Trump doesn't kill people. Trump hasn't made himself a dictator. Trump hasn't uh, refused to leave the White House. None of these things that everybody is supposing will happen, none of them have happened. In fact, if if there's anything we can presuppose... It's that he won't do it because he was already in the White House and left voluntarily. And I remember watching it. He left. He had some people with boxes behind him carrying boxes. He walked right onto Marine One. He left the White House. He went to Mar-a-Lago. Looked pretty peaceful to me. What about January 6th? What about it? We have an FBI that can't even answer questions about who was in the crowd. Oh, but they can't because operational things, they can't reveal what, you know, their sources and methods. And if they've got undercover people or not, these people are doing counterterrorism work, Rich. Don't you understand? The FBI can't just put that out there. This could compromise their operations. If you believe that, let me let me tell you something. I've got a bridge. I got a bridge. I got a concrete bridge in Brooklyn. I've got a, a suspension bridge, it's mainly steel. It's also in Brooklyn. I've got a really, really nice bridge, kind of uh, goes with the wind flow. Uh, that one goes from uh, from Jersey into Staten Island. Well, I got a lot of bridges for sale. You let me know which one you want. I'll sell it to you. Stop being so naive. Truly. Open your eyes. Pay attention. This is an erosion of our constitutional system. This is an erosion of the laws. We know it. This is an erosion of good and evil where good prevails and evil falters. We're turning that upside down on its head. 
where we use evil to get the outcome we want, where we use evil to make sure we ensure the candidate we want wins. We use evil because we may not like a person for their politics or their attitude or their delivery. Listen, I don't like Joe L. Baboso Biden. I don't like Barack Obama. There's a lot of people I didn't like and don't like now. But I would never sit here and cheat to keep them out. And I would never sit here and change any laws to prevent them from serving. If they get the votes, they get in. That's my opinion. Now, are we going to play around with mail-in ballots? It's a whole different conversation. I say we shouldn't play around with mail-in ballots. Say we do it the way we've always done it, where there hasn't been major issues. And that's it. Punto y final. Period. The end. But we try to complicate things, and we make them more difficult than they need to be. We know that if we bring too many people to this country, we have a problem. An overflow problem. So what are we experiencing now? Problems with overflow. Hospitals that are crowded. Schools that are being shut down to go to remote instruction so that people can live inside of the school. Because the tent housing is no longer suitable. Tent, entire tent cities that are being erected to, to make space for people that have entered the country illegally at the invitation of President Biden turning a blind eye, saying, don't come here. Come on in. Come on. Now, listen, it's Friday. I don't want to sit here and bark up a storm and tell you what's wrong in society. There's enough guys on the radio doing that. My job to make fun of people and crack a few jokes, talk to you in the process and enjoy ourselves on the air. But I want to point those things out because this is it's crazy that they're going to fine Trump $350 million and the rest of us get screwed, right? We have to pay the bill for these seven, eight, nine million new illegal aliens that are living in our country. And I'm not trying to demonize those people. If you've listened to this program before, you know that I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at Joe. I'm mad at now the impeached Alejandro Mayorkas. I'm mad at every last Democrat that supports these crazy open border policies. So what do we do? We keep fighting the good fight. We keep electing the right people. People say, oh, but the elections are rigged. And I say, you know what? Conservative Republican in Queens, New York, Vicky Palladino, she ran for the state Senate and lost, but made a good showing. She ran for city council and she won. She ran for re-election and she won in a landslide mandate. They have turned that place red. The Whitestone Republican Club. We're going to talk to her in a little bit, by the way. Um, hopefully, hopefully she stayed awake and there's no major emergencies going on in New York that will prevent her from joining us in a little bit. But we're going to talk about what's it like with all these um, illegal immigrants all over the city and these guys going out, beating on cops, then going to other states and getting arrested in other states and then coming back here and others going and robbing Macy's and Queens and getting locked up again. Same guys. Crazy. That's what's happening in New York, and it's only going to get worse. Then there's a new study out that shows that the cost of child care, yeah, we're talking about, you know, your little kid, daycare, is now close to the amount that it costs to educate a child in college. Let's talk about that. 
at some point you got to think, my goodness, you got to tell your wife to stay home and teach the kid everything, right? You're going to homeschool and we're going to save a ton of money. You're going to be rich. <laughs> I mean, if it's really that much money, $200,000 that you're going to spend in college, looks like you could spend that much in childcare. Wow. Anyway, so I want to talk about that as well. And then something a little bit lighter. It's Friday night. I want to talk about who pays on a date. Now, listen, I'm pretty traditional. I'm old school, uh, medio machista, as they would say, right? Rather, rather um, uh, focused on machismo, uh, what many now call toxic masculinity. But I believe guys should pay. Uh, you know, I think we should ask you out on the date. If, now, if a girl asks me on a date, then I totally expect her to pay. Uh, but, but uh, you know, I think for the most part, guys are the ones that are asking girls on a date. Anyway, we'll talk about that uh, once we get into uh, the bottom half of the second hour. And, of course, Open Phone America, where we talk together. And you get to call in. And if you've never called this show, you can call in any time on any of these topics and speak with uh, our guests. Uh, but if you want to bring your own topic to the table, it's a free-for-all. It's Friday night, and it's Open Phone America in the third hour, which is midnight for me here on the East Coast. Now I'm in New York time. But... Stick around, my friends. We're going to have a very, very good time tonight. I promise you that. That was my uh, Speedy Gonzalez accent, by the way. And don't go anywhere. More to come. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, amigos, welcome back, familia, and we continue our discussion on what is going on in New York City. Now, you remember when Eric Adams, I like to call him Elite Eric Adams, when he said, look, 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 I'm not concerned at all in the least about what's going on, right? When we were talking about illegal immigration. Listen to this. You, you pledged uh, during your campaign to uh, keep New York City a sanctuary a city. Uh, do you have any concern that that, that policy uh, is, 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 for, is attracting more people to the border, more people to cross the border to make that dangerous no. trip? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, this city has always been a sanctuary city, and we've always managed those who wanted to come to uh, New York City to pursue the American dream. All right, so pursue the American dream of robbing Macy's, beating up police officers, shooting people in Times Square, and everything else that comes along with what we're seeing with these Venezuelan gangs and other gangs and all sorts of people. We've got a ton of problems in New York City, and I want to get to the bottom of, of what's going on in the city with uh, our good friend, friend of the program, New York City Councilwoman from District 19, Vicki Palladino. Vicki, welcome. Hey, good evening, Rich. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm happy to, to be chatting with you. It's always good to hear your voice. And thank that you. was a clip. Thank you. Uh, that was a clip of Mayor Eric Adams back in May last year. Mm -hmm. 
Fast forward mm-hmm. to today where he's waving the white flag and he's asking Joe El Baboso Biden for all sorts of federal help when it seems like the power to fix the problem in some part lies right with him in the city, right? If we didn't have uh, this this catch and release system with the criminals, if we didn't have uh, police that were kind of neutered, they're great police, but if you don't uh, actually hold anybody and there's this, uh, you know, no cash bail deal, where are we? What what what's your perspective on what's going on in the city, Vicky Palladino? Well, Rich, uh, we're in a hole that we're not getting out of anytime soon, and that's a very scary fact. You know, we see what's going on. It wasn't until uh, that video came out with that beat de- the beatdown of the cops there in Times Square off of Forty Fifth Street. Um, we are now at a point where I believe the mayor is ever so sorry that he opened the gates the way he did, but us with being a sanctuary city, more or less we're forced to do this. Uh, He has to take these people in uh, because of our sanctuary city status. But this mayor did a uh, 180. Uh, He told everybody he doesn't want this anymore. Uh, We cannot sustain this. Where this happened uh, in 22, when they first started to come in and he realized that the floodgates were open, we are allowing thousands and thousands in every month. And uh, the latest number right now, uh, according to what they know, and they still insist on calling them asylum seekers, not illegal immigrants flooding the border. Uh, So 177,000 that we know of, and right now we are having our care, for lack of a better word, over 65,600 immigrants right now, illegals, in our care. And uh, we've opened about 216 sites for them. This is the actual data from the mayor's office that we receive as council uh, members. So, um, you know, you got Bragg as our DA. Uh, you have the discovery laws, you have ICE that they won't put back, and they should. That was a uh, week before last. Uh, Nicole Maliotakis, myself, Joe Borelli, for those who don't know, Joe Borelli is the minority leader of the Republican Party, and we have what's called a Common Sense Caucus, which grew by one Democrat member, so now we are nine Uh, that oppose everything that comes to the city council floor pertaining to the uh, illegal immigrants. And they just tied our cops up again, as you know, with 586, which means that they have to report, tie them up in paperwork. Uh, They want them to be, you know, uh, uh, counselors now in neighborhoods. Uh, The next thing they're going to do is take guns away. We do have a crisis here. It's a gang crisis. Uh, We have MS-13, which has been here for quite a number of years, on Long Island. They infiltrated the city. I'd say uh, probably really strong about eight years ago. They're very prominent. And now with what's coming over the border, which is the creme de la creme, you know, criminals that are actually uh, Venezuelans, that are seeking out MS-13, and they are now forming some sort of camaraderie between these two gangs and really breaking things up badly here. Terrible. 
And when I, when I got, let me go back to what I said about the beatdown of the cops. If that video did not go viral the way it did, nobody would have known about it because everything is being swept under the rug. And what's happening here is we are bringing what is commonplace in these third world countries into our country and our city. So uh, this is a, you know, this is a crisis. We're in crisis mode. There's no question about it. Folks, we're on with Vicki Palladino. She was a, a suburban housewife living in Whitestone, Queens, saw some problems in her community, decided to run for state Senate. She ran. She didn't win. She formed a club. She kept going, ran again. She won. She ran again. She won with a, an electoral mandate, a landslide. Uh, who says that a conservative Republican, uh, Trump-supporting Republican, can't win in New York City? I say it can happen, and she's living proof of it. We're going to continue our conversation with her straight ahead. Uh, Councilwoman Vicki Palladino, District 19, New York City, discussing what's going on with the migrant situation. Illegal aliens were running out of space in New York City to where to put these people. And the, the solution, I believe, always lies within, right, for all of us, whether it's uh, in our personal lives or anything else. And here we have to figure out how, how to make that happen. Um, I think all eyes are on Eric Adams uh, to, to see what he can do to, to close it down, because obviously not every state in America is facing the problems that New York is. And I think for to turn this around from being a sanctuary city, all you need is a good piece of legislation where he can use the influence that he has as mayor to go to a city council, uh, get a resolution, and get it passed. I, I don't know if that's impossible or not, given the makeup. We'll find out from Councilwoman Vicki Palladino straight ahead. Of course, if you have a question or comment and you want to join the conversation, feel free to give us a call. 833-482-5337 is the phone number. 833-4-VALDES. Again, our guest, Councilwoman Vicki Palladino, District 19, New York City. We're coming right back with your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Valdez. 
because critics on the right have noted that New York City is a sanctuary city, and this migrant crisis comes with that territory. So what do you say to those who think uh, you relinquish your right to complain about the stresses it places on your city because of that? Well, I, I think that those comments coming from those far-right Trump-like Republicans who are continue to try to distort the reality that we do not have real immigration reform. Uh, that we should allow a true decompression strategy, uh, protect our borders in the right way, and make sure that when you look at this city, the status of uh, right to shelter, of uh, no one who created this uh, decades ago uh, took into account that we were talking about uh, hundreds of thousands of people potentially coming to coming to the city. That is uh, Mayor Eric Adams now changing his tune. That was last September. And he continually changes his tune because I think he's realizing what Republicans have known all along. Now, we're going to continue our conversation with Councilwoman Vicki Palladino uh, from New York City, District 19. Councilwoman, we have a couple of callers on the line. We're going to go to Derek in Jamestown on WJTN. Derek, very quickly, you're on with uh, Councilwoman Vicki Palladino. Go right ahead. Hey, uh, I just want to say that this nation was founded on foreigners and the very people. Now, you know, I'm your opposer, Rich. I don't yes, want you shooting yourself in the foot, brother, because those very ones that are running from wars, from foreign policies made by the United States government, they are people who are trying to put bread on the table and live a quiet life. Yes. Well, Derek, obviously, everybody that's that's hungry in any part of the world is blaming United States foreign policy. And the answer to that is to come into the country illegally through Texas. I understand this philosophy. Uh, I don't agree with it. Like you said, I, I oppose your views on that. I don't think that's the answer. And to sit there and go back and blame the Northern Triangle and blame Reagan and blame everybody under the sun for people committing crimes today. Uh, how long can you blame anything? Right. I, I think it's a, it's a it's a cheap excuse. But the reality of the problem is that we've got people that are coming here. You've got women that are getting raped as they're coming across and they're making their way to New York and they're not all good people. Right. Let's that's uh, just a fact. Right. When Trump says they're bad hombres, he's telling the truth. You've got these Venezuelan uh, crime gangs that are in New York City that are robbing and robbing and robbing. And even the analysts on CNN know that they're doing what they do here because they won't be arrested. Now, let's pivot. Derek, thanks for the call. I want to pivot back to Councilwoman Vicky Palladino. And is there any insight for New Yorkers that are thinking, oh, my gosh, maybe one day we'll actually put the bad guys in jail? Uh, we always hope for that. And the way to do that would be to remove Hochul as governor. Uh, our mayor, I know. Listen, let me let me address Derek. Derek. This isn't 1966. This isn't 1935. This isn't 1945. This is 2024. And what we have happening now are not hardworking people coming across the border. I live here. I don't know where you live. Where's Jamestown? Jamestown That's is upstate. where, Rich? That's upstate. Okay. Okay. And nobody's going upstate, mind you. None of these illegals, and they are illegals, and whoever doesn't want to believe that, well, that's just too bad because they are swarming the border. And if you live upstate New York, I address this to you, Derek. You don't have what we have in this city. Hochul refuses to put them upstate. 
She wants to drown our city. We are 7.3 billion with a B in debt to try to support these people who are riding mopeds, robbing people, open gunfights in, in, in shopping malls, drug deals. Uh, just recently, a 65-year-old lady was taken by the hair. Her head was slammed into a light post, and wow. she was almost dead. And uh, that was just to steal her phone. He took off on his moped. We've got moped gangs. we got gangs on foot. They come here. We rolled out the red carpet for them. And now they are kicking us in the teeth. These are not yeah. hardworking people. Okay, we had hardworking people. And for that reason, I could tell you this because we worked. My sister owned a manufacturer. She still does own a manufacturing company. And our ladies who sewed for us came here from Colombia and South, South American countries, hardworking 30 years, 20 years. Those are not the people we have here today. These are 15-year-olds. These are 18-year-olds. These are 21-year-olds that know that they could do whatever they want and get away with it. They're getting away literally with murder. They are running through our streets. Most recently, after the beatdown of the cops in Times Square, had that video not gone viral, we would not be prosecuting the latest incident that happened with a 15-year-old just blocks away from where the beatdown happened in right. Times Square. Okay, did you hear about that, Rich? Yeah, it was stealing shoes or whatever, and he pointed a gun at the cop? Yes, and they tried to stop him. He pulled out a forty-five caliber, and he grazed the cop, but shot a woman tourist from Brazil in her leg and took off half of her calf. And wow. then after he, but let me explain, this was his third, third offense. Now this was after the cops got beat down. So yeah. what happened was they found out he was convicted uh, two other times, once in the Bronx and once right nearby where he did this other shootout on 45th and Broadway. And now they decided that they were going to lock him up, not ask for bail, keep him there as an extreme flight risk okay and they're charging him as an adult if that did not happen with the but that video everybody was down bragg's neck breathing down bragg's neck which by the way hokel could remove bragg with a stroke of a pen out gone he could be removed he is the worst da our city has ever seen and this goes way back when he first got elected, when he made the list, a long list of at least 20 major felonies that he was no longer going to categorize as felonies. This is pre-migrant. Yeah. Okay. No, he's very weak. So, he's very weak. Very now, let me weak. ask you this. Yeah. I know that she has the power as governor to remove the, the, uh, the prosecutor, uh, the DA. But what about like a resolution, a citywide resolution to change the status of New York City being a sanctuary city. Is that something that you could work with the mayor's office on? And do you think there are enough votes to pull something like that off? Not enough votes, Rich, no. So there is a lawsuit presently pending because the mayor is, you know, backing down. And uh, what happened was it's still in the courts, uh, but they keep postponing. 
But what, what everybody has to understand here is my city council just voted unanimously to override the mayor's veto. You see the mayor on 586 and 549. 549 was dealing with restrictive housing on Rikers Island, and 586 was about the cops and tying them up with paperwork by having to report every interaction that they... Correct. So now the mayor tried. We went in for a special session where Adrian Adams, our speaker, and she she really ruled it. She pulled in her troops and uh, overrode the mayor's veto. So 549 is now law. 586 is now law. So if you're talking about trying to get the mayor to pass anything through a sane city council, it's impossible. Impossible. Right. Even when he's okay. trying, oh, they're not. They're not. And, and that, started, that goes back to Bloomberg. When Bloomberg took the right of that veto pen away from the mayor and put it in the hands of the city council. So unless he's got a friendly city council, reasonable thinkers, common sense thinkers, only then would his veto stick. But because we have people in the city council right now that are far worse than the city council we had from 2014, that's de Blasio, until 2018, because de Blasio started in 2014 with dissolving ICE. And then by 2017, it was done. And the uh, Kathy Hochul also has the ability to do something about ICE as well, which means that that could put co-op that they could cooperate with the police and we could actually deport these felons. They don't belong here. Deport them. And that's what we need to do. But until that happens, which is a far, far, far down the road, that means replacing the uh, Kathy Hochul at the head because I often say this, and it sounds harsh, so I'm afraid, afraid if I, I'm sorry if I offend anybody in advance. When you have a snake, the only way to kill a snake is to cut off its head. Mm-hmm. If you cut off its tail, it will grow back a new tail. So we got to go to the top, which is the governor. And unless the governor does her job, which she will not, that's no help to our mayor. We get zero funding. So what we're doing is we are stressing out our taxpayers, our, the legal people that are here that are working hard, paying their taxes, and guess what? We have no rights. No more. They're gone. And, and, and it's very sad. And this is very where we – this is, this is the desperate situation that we're in. You know, back in 29, Cuomo was about to sign the bail reform bill. And, uh, in, you know, when they put these bills in, uh, you know, the budget or whatever, when they put them in, it's mixed up with all this minutia, all these weeds. You got to seek these out line by line. Yep, and some the devil's of in the details, be, right? There you go. A hundred percent. Vicki, hang on yeah. real quick. We're going to take a pause right here and come right back with Councilwoman Vicki Palladino, District 19 out of New York City. And when we come back, I want to... Um, 
ask a couple of questions about what's going on nationally and get her perspective on those. Plus, your call is coming up in this, uh, the following segment, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We continue our conversation with Councilwoman Vicki Palladino from the city of New York. And Councilwoman Vicki Palladino, I, I want to pick your brain a little bit. So the congressional seat once held by George Santos uh, was, was flipped by Tom Suozzi. And I feel that this is something that might still be competitive, might still be in play because of the immigration situation in New York. And I think when it's a general election, this could potentially change hands. But I don't know if that's a naive view. What say you? Uh, I don't think it's naive at all. Uh, the thing with Tom Swazi, now that he they tipped that uh, CD3 uh, district, congressional district. Oh, listen to me. Congressional District 3 falls into my district by about 18%. And uh, you know how my district went. It went all red for me. And uh, what they need, see, Tom Swazi ran on the Republican message. All of a sudden, Tom Swazi was saying that he is against what's going on at the border, that he is pro-cop and law and order, and he was talking like a Republican. And that's basically how Tom won this race. But we know how Tom votes, and we know what's going to happen once he, and I I said it. I said, we are going to have a conversation. And Tom reached out to me. It's good politics. And we're going to sit down and we're going to have a long conversation about what you plan to do. Are you going to stick to your word or are you going to, was this just lip service that you gave the constituents on Long Island as well as here in Queens, just so that you could get elected? I mean, flat out straight. There's no other way to say it. So yes, indeed, I do believe that this with the right candidate, I believe that this is this is a winnable race again. Most definitely. It's very now, sad won- that it happened. Right. Now, he won by like 10 points or eight points. Eight, eight, eight points. Eight yes, points. So eight I, points. I think she did a good showing, uh, Maisie Philippe. Uh, do you think uh, she could make a, another run at it? I don't know if they're going to choose uh, Mazi uh, to do that. I don't know. That's Nassau County GOP. That's not Queens GOP's job. Uh, that's their job because uh, most of the, of the district is on the north shore of Long Island. And because my district is right there, it tips into me. But what's going to happen here, Rich, is they're redrawing the lines. And once mm. they redraw the lines, I don't know what it's going to look like at this point. All I do know is that they may come into my district by a little bit, and because I'm by the Whitestone Bridge, they're going to take this up into the Bronx. So who's ever going to run for this seat is going to have a long run because it's so much area to cover. It's a tremendous, tremendous congressional district. And uh, to go from 
a little part of Suffolk County. For those that don't know, that's really far out on Long Island. Come into Nassau, from Nassau into Queens, and then go over the bridge into the Bronx. You got to have a lot of energy, let me tell you. And a very strong message. <laughs> oh, yeah, a lot of energy and uh, a lot of money. So, right, uh, they, the they, you know, yeah, because of the area. And, the, and you know, Mozzie did have a, uh, a good campaign. Mozzie did have a lot of money, but it was a six-week run. And let me reiterate this. Tom Swazi, I view as an incumbent because Tom Swazi is a known commodity here sure. for two decades. Okay. So you took a relatively, uh, no, a definite unknown, not a relatively unknown, uh, an unknown. And you put her up against an incumbent, a strong right. incumbent. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't see it as a great choice for that reason. I wish they would have probably would have been best mm -hmm. if they would have picked somebody else that had uh, more of life experience uh, in the federal government and with the issues and is a known commodity. Yeah. And it was a six-week or an eight-week race, Rich. What are you going to well, do with I, eight I, weeks? I think it's also really tough when, when you were going against, you know, everybody slamming Santos. So that makes it really tough as well. Vicki, uh, I'm, I'm out of time in this segment, but I want you to let everybody know how they can make a donation to your campaign and support you however they can. Well, I just opened up uh, my new campaign for 25. So it would be uh, Vicky for City Council, Vicky Palladino for City Council 2025. Outstanding. Vicky Palladino, New York City Councilwoman for District 19. You are a gentlewoman, a scholar, and a patriot. And I thank you for staying up late and having a discussion with us. And I, and I thank you, Rich, so very much. I hope to see you soon. You bet. God bless. Folks, we're coming right back. Your calls and more coming up. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, let's go very quickly to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA, and check in with Dan as a comment on Councilwoman Vicki Palladino. Dan, go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Uh, what a splendid guest. The woman, uh, every word rings true, and she doesn't, you can hear the difference in her comments as opposed to the mayor where he's tiptoeing on every word that he speaks. Did I you think you're 100% right. This, this is a, a perfect example of when you have somebody doing things for the right reasons. Dan, thank you for your call and your compliment. Uh, let's go to Justin Moorhead, Minnesota, W-D-A-Y. Uh, you have a comment on immigration. Go right ahead quickly. Yeah, good talking to you again. Um, yeah, I want to comment on that last caller when you, when you had the guest on, and he was basically saying, you know, we're a nation of immigrants. And I'm so sick of hearing that argument from people. We are a nation of immigrants for sure. But the difference was when the immigrants were coming in back in the 30s, 40s, 50s through Ellis Island, we needed low-skilled labor, right? These people were assimilating. These people right. now are not doing that. Well, and the biggest part about that was they were paying their own way, right? There were public charge rules that said that they couldn't live off of uh, the public dole, and they had to have sponsors. And, and that seems to not be the case anymore. Justin, thanks for the call from Minnesota, WDAY. My buddy John in Vero Beach, the music means I got to go, but we'll get to you in open phones at the top of the next hour. Don't go anywhere.
from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And the suspects in the Kansas City shooting uh, at the end of the parade that's uh, being charged as a mass shooting are going to be charged as adults, is what I'm looking at here. Uh, this is according to the Post Millennial. The third suspect, who's also a juvenile, has been released. And just a quick update on that. It was uh, revealed that two of the juvenile suspects detained for the mass shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade will be charged as adults. A third suspect, who is also a juvenile, has been released after it was determined that he was not connected to the massacre that claimed the life of a local DJ and mother and injured 22 others. According to the Daily Mail, uh, the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office said that while specific charges have not been filed, the duo will not be treated as juveniles. And I think that's a great thing. Because um, they, what they did, kids don't do. And I think it's always important they remember that you just can't do this type of thing. And speaking of this local DJ, <clears throat> I want to put a, a, a name to, to her. Her name is Lisa Lopez Galvan. And uh, she was shot and murdered at the end of the Chiefs uh, Super Bowl parade uh, just on Wednesday. And... Many, you know, many locals know her. Those who don't um, know her now. And it's, it's a shame. Obviously, anybody in, in my business that gets, um, you know, murdered is horrible. What is the uh, station that she's with, Alex? KKFI in uh, Kansas City area. Um, well, my uh, hat goes off to her and her family. My condolences. It's always a shame when anybody dies. This woman's just about my age, 43 years old. And uh, mother, you know, I have kids. I totally relate here. You know, she was just there at a parade, and now she's not. Why? Because of these criminals that were having their own personal dispute, and she got caught up in the middle of it. So that's a shame. It really is. And I want to also switch gears back to some of the news of the day. We've got uh, Trump being barred from operating his business in New York for three years and ordered to pay $355 million as a penalty in the um, civil trial in New York. And it made me think, I don't even have $355 million. <laughs> Most people I know don't have it. I'm sure Trump has it, but that doesn't mean that he should be forking it over, right? This is a, a, a crazy number that for whatever they're claiming that he did, inflating property values, this, that, and the third, borrowing money from a bank that he ended up paying back, and um, paying back on time and paying back every penny. And somehow the, the government's now entitled to $355 million 18 years after this whole transaction even happened. It just is crazy to me that this is happening and nobody's even questioning why it's happening. But it's happening. And, you know, I can't help but think, what if I did have $355 million? What would life look like for me and for my family? And And it makes me think, I need to better manage the money that I currently have because, I mean, you know, you don't 
you don't do it with what you got, you end up losing it, right? You, you use it or lose it. You got to do it right the first time around. And I saw this article. Fascinating. Uh, listen to this. All right. The cost of child care is now equal to the cost of college. Yep, you heard that right. And that's not me saying that. That's USA Today. There's a headline here by Emily Koblenz. And here it goes. Parents say they could spend more than $36,000 on child care this year. It doesn't make sense. I agree. Uh, parents are depleting their savings accounts to cover the cost of child care. According to a new report released by Care.com, they're working multiple jobs, going into debt, and ultimately leaving the workforce because even in a double-income home, the rising costs are too hard to manage. Care.com is the largest online marketplace connecting families to child care, and it surveyed 2,000 households on what they uh, are on track to spend this year. The report found that 49% of them said they plan to spend about $18,000 on child care in 2024. 23% of them said they're going to spend more than double that, $36,000 this year in child care. Wow. In some cases, child care is now costing more than a college education. Now, there's a few other things that the survey found, and we'll get into that straight ahead. But just the mere fact that you're now going to spend that much on child care, you know, for the first three, four years, five years of your kid's life uh, until they can go to something more affordable, like a school-based program or something like that. And that's literally a college degree on the front end. Then you got to save for the college degree. On the back end, right, after high school, absolutely crazy that you got to send your kids to college twice now. I mean, I couldn't imagine it. I really couldn't imagine. I'm glad my kids are big. But bottom line here, how do we make sense of this? How do we make this work? I want to bring in our buddy Derek Kenny. Welcome him back to the show. He's uh, the CEO of the Good Money Framework, and you've seen him, you know, doing public addresses and uh, been on this program definitely before telling us about uh, things that are happening in the world of finance. Derek Kenny, welcome back, sir. Hey, Rich. Thank you for having me tonight. Always good to be with you. You bet. So let, let's talk about this. This is a pretty crazy article where uh, I, I was floored by it. You know, I, I have a kid, in co- two kids in college right now, uh, one that's 18 and a freshman and one that's 22 and she's a senior. And I, I um you know, they, they don't overlap for that long. One will be gone soon and the other one will, uh, you know, is still embarking on the beginning of her four-year journey. But I, I can't help but think that if I had to pay the, the cost of a college education uh, back when they were kids, I don't know that we would have made it here. No, and Rich, I got to be honest with you. I, I'm pretty salty about this tonight. You caught me in a pretty angry mood and, and here's why. When I think about hardworking parents who are forced to make decisions about how they do their livelihood and as it relates to their kids, I mean, people's kids are their number one prized possession. They'll do whatever it takes. And when they feel like, whether it's the government or it's, it's the system that's outpricing their ability to provide quality care for their kids, that just makes me angry. I mean, you and I are talking Friday night right now. Mm-hmm. Many Americans have gone to a job. Many of them were just tolerating, and they're spending almost half of their salary, in some cases one spouse's entire salary, just to pay for basic child care, not even luxury care, not even learning a whole lot, just simple, more of a glorified babysitting program. That makes me flat angry tonight, and it's, 
is something we've got to take a look at and find a solution for as soon as possible. You know, it's funny you say that. Um, and on a quick aside, but same vein here, my, both of my kids have had part-time jobs working in uh, childcare facilities. And I, the other day I picked up my daughter from the one she works at and uh, she works there and at a movie theater. She's got two jobs and she's a full-time student. And I pick her up and, and I said, you know, I feel like I did the wrong thing in life. Like I should have opened one of these childcare places because they make a fortune. And, and I happened to, in my car, I had somebody who's a mom and has a, a seven-year-old. And she was saying, you know, I, I looked at that place and it was nice. It just, it was, you know, a couple of blocks further away from where I worked. And I worked over here and this place was a little more expensive, but it included everything and included diapers and this and that. And she was just giving me the scoop. And I was like, wow. You know, and I think the number she was giving me a couple of years back was something like $1,400. And, and I thought, man, imagine you have, you know, 10 kids. That's that's some coin coming in. You can definitely cover your rent and, and some employee salaries with that. Uh, again, you're not going to have 10 kids. You're probably going to have 30, you know, and some of these places have 50 kids. And wh- whatever the case is, my point was you can really make a, a living with these things. And it reminded me of another conversation I had with a buddy of mine who told me that he got invited to an all-expense-paid trip to Mexico. And I said, wow, what does that guy do for a living, that he's inviting all his friends to, to, to Loom uh, on a, like a weekend trip? And he said, oh, the guy owns several daycares. <laughs> and he's got contracts with the state. And I said, oh, my gosh, I'm in the wrong business, Derek Kenny." Well, I think we're both in the wrong business. And, you know, one of the perspectives I look at this, Rich, is, Middle class. The middle class right now are struggling. You know, 20 years ago, everyone would almost self-identify as I'm in the middle class. I can put food on the table. I can provide for my family. I've got a steady job. Now, the Washington Post comes out with an article yesterday that talks about only one third of Americans say they are in the middle class. And what's holding them back is the inability to save for retirement. So I take what you and I are talking about, this base level need of providing quality care for my kids. If I can't barely make that payment, how can I possibly say for my retirement, what we have right now is a middle class death spiral, and we've got to find a way to stop it. But unless we have a change at the top or we educate people on how they can make more money and really empower them financially – I worry the problem's only going to get worse. This is, you know, part of the the drum that I beat on a daily basis is, you know, um, the economy, the economy, the economy. And I think that's very relevant when we're looking at, you know, again, my situation, I just look at my uh, my two kids and I go, wow, they have to work one day and, and like have a life for themselves. And living across the river from New York City, you would think it's a little more affordable in Bergen County, New Jersey. But the reality is if you're like graduating college, I don't think you could live here like, unless you're on your, your parents' payroll somehow. There's no way. I mean, rent for like a one-bedroom apartment is like almost $3,000 a month. How does somebody live a life like that, Derek Kenny? Does everybody leave and go to a more affordable state? Like what are you hearing? What are you seeing out there? Well, even the report you mentioned, they talk about where are the most expensive places for childcare, And they've got here Massachusetts, D.C., California, Washington, Connecticut. I mean, all all of those are sort of the obvious suspects. But what we find is more and more people are fleeing 
New York City. They're fleeing Chicago to go to the suburbs, go to more, I would say, friendlier economic states. But here's the big concern that I've got, and that is right now we're, we're wanting to have people contribute to this economy. It's, it's an economy where people can put their talents in. They can be rewarded for that. But when one spouse is faced with, look, I could make an impact in my company or I could use that entire amount of money to pay for my son or daughter for childcare. What it's forcing them to do is just stay at home. And now what we're doing is we're holding back some of the resources where people could have to make our economy better. And, you know, Rich, one of the other pieces that I'm very, very concerned about right now is when I think about where the economy is headed, if we were to see any type of a recession later on this year, you know, we know that, that Joe Biden, uh, God bless him, is polling about 30% economic confidence across the aisle. Yeah, and that's from like CNN and these miserably other liberal terrible. areas. When Before they you say get the numbers into are to, low, to Biden on the economy, I want to take a quick pause to make sure you have enough time to cover it on the other side. Folks, we're on with Derek Kinney. Uh, he's been on before. He's a fantastic guest, especially when it comes to uh, business growth and discussing things uh, that are part of what he does, right, as CEO of the Good Money Framework. So stick with us. We're coming right back with Derek Kinney, his website, goodmoneyframework.com. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. valdez thats Valdez with an S. All right, we left off with our guest, Derek Kinney, and you're mentioning uh, Joe Biden and the current economic situation. Derek Kinney. Yeah, Rich, you know, one thing that I think I'm not alone in my thinking here, but we have a confidence crisis that has reached a record level. And again, it's Friday night, hardworking Americans are relaxing, they've got their feet kicked up, they're, they're reflecting on the week, hoping next week gets better. But my worry is, will it? And if they don't feel like the leadership at the top in the White House has a grasp on not just the economy, but these bottom line parent issues that people care about, how can we keep costs down? You know, when I go to the grocery store, I almost feel like I need to take a bank loan out just to buy meat, for goodness <laughs> sakes. And when I think about that and I think about the cost of child care that becomes almost like a college prep class because it's preparing you to pay for college, that is wrong. And and I want to tell you, a a couple I met with, I do some specialized business consulting for business owners, and I met with an entrepreneurial couple, and they were talking about how they've got a couple of key employees who have young children, and what they're faced with is, do they bear the cost of the child care for these employees to retain them because they add so much value? And so here are two entrepreneurs who are taking the risk, they're putting their own company you know, on the line every day, and they're making a conscious decision to help offset 
child care costs for their key people because they know if they don't, those people might jump ship. And so what I find is not everybody right. can be as generous as that couple, but to be competitive and to stand out, many business owners may need to think about that as an additional benefit to retain and even attract quality people. I think that's uh, – and the example that I gave you of the mom I was talking to in my car when I was picking up my daughter from her job, uh, that's what it was. She worked for a large hospital, and they had an on-site facility that was expensive. There was a place uh, a little bit cheaper, a block or three away, but it was older. It wasn't as new. It didn't include everything that the expensive place included, so she ended up going with the more expensive place until her kid was you know, a little older. Um, and I think parents are, are, are faced with these decisions on a regular basis. Do I go with the highest quality? Do I, you know, wh- where do I cut a little bit in order to make this work? And some can afford it, some can't. And I think that's the, the, the conundrum that they face. And I, I don't know what the answer is to this. I, you know, I wish I could say, you know, get rid of Biden, everything fix, uh, gets fixed. And I don't know if that's going to fix this. Child care is extraordinarily expensive. And uh, I think, you know, the trend that we're seeing of people saying, you know, I'm going to stay home and I'm not going to work. I'm going to take care of my kid. I think we're probably going to see a lot more of that until we don't, because ultimately, I think the free market is what dictates. And when we start seeing that there's too many child care places because people are saying, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to do it myself. Um, then all of a sudden they'll have to lower their prices. I think that's just how the market works. Do you think that we, we get to a place like that, or is that a pipe? Yeah. No, no, Rich. I think what you said there is the roadmap for the future. And, you know, as I like to say, until the pain is great, the change does not occur. And until we see the pain so great on couples, we're likely going to see a new franchising model emerge of affordable child care for busy executives. You know, much like we see nobody gets married in a church anymore, there's wedding Mm -hmm. venues and they play volleyball in the big gymnasiums and they play. I mean, all of those areas are opportunities that until the pain got great, the change did not occur. And so I I think that's where we're at. But what what I would tell people as we as we finish tonight, just one thing to think differently. I think if you want this year economically to be better than next year, you've got to find ways to make more money. And that may be in the job you're in right now. Folks, check out Derek Kinney. He's the author of Good Money Revolution, CEO of Good Money Framework. Check out his website. Follow him on Instagram. I know I do. Derek Kenny, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I thank you for being here. Folks, we're coming right back. Your calls and more don't go anywhere. to a caller named Leslie calling from California on KVTA, but she's not there. So we will continue. Leslie, thanks for the call, but no thanks for hanging up. I really wanted to get your perspective on that. Anyway, we're going to continue our conversation on what's going on. I wanted to pose a question to all of you, which is when it's date night. I don't know if you're doing date night with your spouse, if you're doing date night with different people every week, if you're doing date night with a girlfriend, however you do your date night. 
I wanted to get your perspective on it because when you go out, I want to know what's the expectation on who's paying. Is it is there a built-in expectation to go Dutch where you split the bill? Is there an expectation for uh, the man to pay? Is there an expectation for whomever in, did the inviting to pay? Uh, I'm really curious to know those things, and you can always weigh in on those, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. But I want to get to the bottom of that, and to do that, I have enlisted the help of Jennifer Styers. Jen Styers is the host of The Lovability Show with Jen Styers. She's also the um, owner of a boutique matchmaking firm. And uh, she's also launched a new app that we'll talk about a little bit in, uh, in, uh, in the next segment. And she gives advice as a coach on dating and relationships. Jennifer Styers, welcome back. Oh, I love being here. Nice to, nice to be chatting with you, Rich. And oh, I, uh, I hope people will call in, too. Yeah, me too. I hope so. And this is, um, there, there's a lot going on, right? So the, the topic that I'm asking is... Uh, Specific, at least in the New York Times, they're, they're, the article here is pitting it uh, on Gen Z, saying, you know, what's the payment etiquette for Gen Zers? But for me, I, I'm I'm really asking everybody because again, I'm I'm a I'm a Gen Xer, and if if a girl asks me out on a date, like a legit, hey, what are you doing later? I'd like to take you out to dinner. Um, I'm not paying for dinner, and I'm also probably not going to drive. I'm going to tell her, pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go wherever you're taking me, you know, uh, because it was women her idea. Do th- women call you and ask you to dinner. I'm shocked. Yeah, that has happened to me, actually more than once, but it doesn't happen all the time. And, but and when it has, I stick to my guns and I say, "Listen, Good. I'm not easy, you all should. right? You know, and Ooh. I like steak. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, th- that's my rule on that. Uh, and I, otherwise, I think, look, I'm paying because I'm, I'm usually the one inviting. I'm saying, hey, what are you doing? Let's go to uh, this or let's do that and let's go. So uh, I, I feel like it's just a- appropriate hospitality to, to pay the bill. And I also think it's appropriate for you to offer and, you know, for me to say, no, I'm good. Thanks. No problem. I invited you. If you invite me, you pay. And, and that's cool, too. But what is your... Um, um, from your perspective as, you know, as the, the host of the lovability show with Jennifer Styers and uh, a coach on relationships and dating, what is it that you see uh, the most of? Is it guys paying? Is it people going Dutch? Does it really vary by Gen Z, Gen X, boomers? What's it look like? It does vary. <laughs> uh, amazingly, it does vary. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the Gen Xers, uh, they're splitting the bill a lot of times. I mean, the women want to. I mean, it's crazy, but they want to. And uh, and then, you know, as, as you get into the uh, somewhat a little bit older generations, there's still that that yin and yang that the men should pay. And I'm like you. I think if a woman asks a man out, she should pay. If, um, you know, if a man asks a woman out, he should always expect to pay. Uh, and and, you know, I, I do. I do think that I've heard women say, even in, you know, Gen Z, you know, they'll say, well, I didn't like him. I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. So I offered to pay half. I don't know why. And he, you know, sometimes the guys will let them, which I, a guy never should do that. If you ask a woman out, she shouldn't be paying, but a woman doesn't want to feel an obligation. And so I understand that as well. Um, but ladies, I will say this. 
any ladies listening, let the man pay. If he asks you out, allow him to do that. That is his job. And, he, and, and this is, I think, Rich, one of these days, we're going to talk about it some more because you came yeah. on my podcast to talk about this. I think this is why guys are getting away with all this junk where they're not stepping up because women aren't letting, let, they're not like letting them. Well, like, let yeah, them I agree. Yeah. There, there's a movement, right? There's a movement afoot that comes from, from the feminists that um, is really, I think it's, it's stupid, honestly, but I think it takes away power and allure and beauty from women. Yeah. And it takes away uh, some of the power and, and masculinity and, and, Yes. Um, bravado that that men should be bringing to the table, and I agree. I mean, I think there's there's a pursuit, right? Girls are pretty, guys are not pretty. Uh, it, 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 it would <laughs> be a very pretty. weird, right, dynamic for for to have. I mean, okay, so a couple of girls may have asked me to, to dinner, but it's not a regular thing for me to have women that are in pursuit of me. I think it's not even a natural dynamic, right? Even the cavemen they chase the women to knock them over the head and drag them into a cave. It's 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 the natural order of things. It is I natural. Feel. And if, yes. if, if some women may feel unnatural, right, and think, oh, no, I'm going to make a move. And that's fine. Um, you know, uh, you and I have spoken uh, when we was on your podcast. I was talking about my uh, my girlfriend at the time and um, and she had approached me and she was a, a friend, somebody I had only seen platonically. I thought she was very attractive and I, I got along well with her. But I, because she was such a close family friend. And I knew her mom well. I knew her whole family. Uh, it never crossed my uh, my mind, you know, that I would uh, date her because I wasn't a very serious dater. You know, I'm good for a couple of dates and then I disappear. You know, I, I become Casper the Friendly Ghost. So it, I realized, you know, this isn't somebody that I, I'm not serious enough for a serious person where I know their family. It ended up working out really, really well. And then it got rocky and then it got better again. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the on again uh, cycle from the on again, off again. And, and I, ah. think I think we have figured out uh, uh, that when you approach these situations, either of us, right? In Spanish, we'd say ambos, both of us, um, guns drawn, you're, you're going to end up shooting, right? But if yeah. you leave the gun at home and you yeah. approach a situation where you're not willing to pull your gun out and point it at somebody, then then you actually do get to a different resolution where you can actually approach things as a, as a couple, as a team, at, rather than me versus you, which always right. ends up poorly. And, and that's probably a whole separate topic. But going back to this payment stuff, I think this is, um, even if, if a woman is, is pursuing you, it's, it's going to be rare. And, and, and they're only going to do it to, like, to the point where they're twirling their hair and saying, hey, I think you're, you're handsome. Uh, and they're putting the ball in your court. What are you going to do with that ball? It's still on you, right? Because right? you're still the man. So I think that yeah. that's still a thing in, in my world, in my opinion. And I think it, it I think it's because it matches the natural order of things. I don't care how old you are. I think you could believe different things because of feminism or this, that and the other and feel like, OK, I should go a different route. But ultimately, I think that's what works best. But what do I know? You know, a lot. <laughs> you, you know, you know, a lot. And, and, you know, when when women step up to do things. Um, like that, then it kind of sets the tone for what the relationship is going to be like. So, you know, you just, women have got to think about, you know, that piece of it as well. And, you know, back to just what you said about, you know, guns drawn, you yeah. know, that I think that comes from the fact that people are always looking for what's wrong with somebody. They're always in that state of what are yes. you saying wrong? What are you doing wrong? 
And that's the thing, whether you're on a first date or you're on a, you know, 20th date, that we need to get out of that place and try to look and find what we like about somebody, you know, and be looking for those things because otherwise your guard's up all the time, right? And your walls are up all the time. Yeah. And, and honestly, what you just said, if you're looking for what's wrong, you're going to find yeah. it. And it's, it's a very self-defeating behavior, but one that I understand and I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. I, I, for years I dated with no intention of anything serious because I, I, I just didn't want to go through the work, right? There's a lot of work that, in getting to know someone yeah. and trusting someone and, and trying to explore that, that idea. And, um, and ultimately, I think it's all self-protection. You, you just don't want to go through, you know, I, had, I was in a divorce that cost me a lot of money and, and changed my life. And that was the last That's thing okay. I wanted to do is you, you allow that to, to happen again. Ready. Yeah, right. you have to wait till you're ready. You know, whether that's emotionally, physically, whatever, you know, I mean, you got your, you got your walls up for a while and then they'll eventually come down. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so it, it anyway, takes time but to, yeah. to change perspective. It does. It does. But there is a yin and a yang. And regardless of, you know, how successful women can get and how much money they make, you know, we still need to respect that order because we do, even busy women, I'm that woman, you know, I, when, when, you know, my date comes to pick me up, I don't want him to ask me where we're going. I want him to know. I want him to have a plan. I want him to have a reservation. I want him to be in charge because I've been in charge all day and I don't want to do it anymore. You know, it's so refreshing to have a man that can step up and do those things uh, and pay the bill. And and it's very un, I don't, I'm going to use the word unmanly, but I don't mean it in a pejorative way. I mean, like, I I don't know me or any of my friends, I should say, nor any of my friends that would ever really feel like, oh, I can't wait to get home. So my wife could tell me where we're going to dinner. Like, how do you live a life like that? Right. (laughs) I I don't think any guy would even feel comfortable with, with a situation like that. It just doesn't seem natural to me. But maybe I'm wrong. If you have a different uh, opinion uh, or you'd like to chime in on this conversation, give me a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. No hair, no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We continue with your comments, suggestions, and uh, everything else you want to say. Let's go to Steve in Atlanta, Georgia. Steve is calling us from WGKA, the A. And um, Steve, you're on with Jennifer Styers and me, Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Uh, Miss Styers, thanks for being a guest, I guess, again, huh? You like her. <laughs> yeah, I she's like terrific. Her too. I love her. I love her. I really love her. Miss um, Styers. Uh, this is this is my question to both of you too. Okay, sure. Um, so she mentioned the, uh, the order, and and where does the order come from? She mentioned yin and yang. Where does that come from? Well, that's 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 good and evil. I mean, that's that's what we are 
we're, we're talking about the Bible, right? And we're talking about the other religions that talked about the good and the evil. And the evil does exist. So um, the, the things that are taking over society now want, well, the evil in society now, the bad, the evil, the demons, want us to keep children at a minimum. No children. What, what's the whole point of the demon except to keep children from happening? Yeah, listen, I get your point, because we talked about that yesterday, and, and you're just taking a spiritual perspective on it, but it, it's exactly like this uh, article that we read yesterday with the professor that was saying, uh, you know, you can't have kids anymore, because how, how dare you have kids without considering the morality of bringing a child into this world? And, you know, I thought to myself, climate change is the last thing, as a dad of two, uh, I never said, hey, hun, Let's have a baby. Oh, hold on. Let's see what the sea levels are, right? Nobody nobody does that. No, Nobody does that, Steve. But you're right. And and the, so much of this feminist activity, it's uh, it's anti-family, it's anti-God, and, and it makes a lot of sense, and it challenges the natural order of things. Jennifer Stiers. Yeah, you know, um, I have to just say, I just think there's so many things. Gosh, politics, here we go. <laughs> There's just so many things in the world trying to lead us away from family, uh, so many things, and uh, and away from the traditional, you know, heterosexual relationship. And uh, you know, it, it it is what it is. I just I feel like you know every every person has to stand strong in who they are and what they believe, and um, and you know, stay educated. I don't know. It's just, it's such a big conversation to get into, especially for me right now. Sure. So. No, I, and I get it. Listen, I think these are, these are the, the, the things that you kind of in the dating world, uh, you, these are the philosophical differences. I, I, I'm a big believer in, in, um, shared values and, and 100%. common ground, right? But there are areas that are hard no, right? They're non-negotiable. And if, if you don't see eye to eye on certain things, um, that you don't see eye to eye on them. And what are you going to do? You just got to deal with that and say, hey, you know, we'll agree to disagree. Sometimes you're agreeing to disagree on an issue. Uh, sometimes you're agreeing to disagree on something that's way bigger, like, you know, the existence of God and evil and, and everything else, uh, kind of like Steve mentioned. And I, I think those are the things you, you know, you're going to find out when you're inviting somebody out to dinner that you're going to pay for. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No. And you know, it, it is so important that people are aligned with those things and, and they're people are leading with that now in dating, like people will not cross political barriers. Um, you know, they, they won't, you know, I was given a lot of slack for doing a heterosexual only app. That's what I'm doing. That's what I know. And, you know, I, I, it's what I know. And so it's, it's just, it's just, we live in a really different world and people just have to know what they stand for. They have to know their values and you have to be willing to find somebody and really dig to make sure that those match because down at the, you know, as you get down the road, if you're not eye to eye on those things, those are the things that, that are deal breakers. You know, you find those out right up front where, you know, what do you believe? And so, right. uh, you know, Steve's from my hometown in Georgia. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. So, uh, go oh. dogs. <laughs> okay. Okay. From the, A. 
All right, Jennifer Steyer, stick around. I want to learn more about this app of yours. Very controversial app where men date women and women date men. We're going to talk about that straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Jennifer Stiers. She's a dating and relationship coach. She's the host of the Lovability Show with Jennifer Stiers. And Jennifer Stiers, you've created an app. And um, I I said earlier that it was controversial because it's for men to date women and for women to date men. Tell us more about it. Well, it's it's a little bit more than a been a dating app. It's matchmaking. It's curated matches. You know, I have been doing this a long time and listening to all the, all the feedback people are giving about, you know, the dating apps and uh, just the junk, the swiping, everything's superficial. You know, there's just no substance and so many good people are getting passed over on these apps. And so um, I wanted to, now that AI is out, it's just got given me an opportunity to create something that uh, could could produce quality matches and match on the things we were talking about, values, lifestyle, things we believe in, uh, and that's the way that it works. So uh, we do hit and touch on looks a little bit, uh, but just a little bit. Um, it's not. It's definitely not a looks only app, which I'm happy about. So I think sometimes love comes in the most unexpected places. And as a matchmaker, I have definitely found that, you know, somebody goes on a first date and they're like, oh, my God, they're so great. We're so attracted. You know, just couldn't keep my hands away from them. And I think, oh, God, when's it going to end? <laughs> it's just it's going down real fast. And then if they leave a date and, and they say, you know what, I really like them. We had a great conversation. I'm not sure that I'm attracted. It's not somebody I would have picked for myself, but we're going to go out again. Those are my people to get married. <laughs> now, so, how do people yeah. find the app? Um, it's called Lovey, L-O-V-E-Y, and it's on Android and uh, iOS, so um, it's everywhere. Yes. Oh, wow. All right, folks, check out the Lovey app, L-O-V-E-Y, uh, from Jennifer Stiers, her website, lovegen, with two N's, dot com. Love Jen, check her out. Give her a follow on the social media. Jennifer Stiers, yes. always a pleasure. Thanks for your insight. You are a gentlewoman, a scholar, and a patriot, and I thank you for staying up late with us. Uh, thanks, Rich, for having me. You bet. Folks, more to come straight ahead. It's Open Phone America. You name the topic, we have the conversation. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night 
with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And welcome. It's hour number three, Friday night. Our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ, if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation. And, of course, the big story of the day, Trump has been fined $355 million by this uh, judge in New York, Arthur Engeron, guy hates his guts. His wife hates his guts. It's really, it's uh, quite, quite, quite jarring uh, when you see this. Uh, we also have the the juvenile suspects in the Kansas City mass shooting are going to be charged as adults. We still don't have their names. The they have not been released because they are juveniles, but they are being charged as adults. So we'll see if that changes anytime soon. And let's see what else do we have here. Uh, the Office of the Inspector General for the Department of Health and Human Services uh, has issued um, a statement saying that the Biden administration did not vet adults that were housing illegal immigrant children. That's a shame, and uh, that shouldn't be happening. Let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, is that Dr. Bandy Lee? Hold on a second. This was interesting. Yep. So the psychiatrist who led the effort back in 2017 demanding a 25th Amendment ouster of then-President Donald Trump says she does not have the same concerns about President Joe Biden despite a Justice Department report last week that said Biden has diminished faculties. That's a quote from the report. Dr. Bandy X. Lee, she's a forensic psychiatrist who edited the 2017 book The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump where 37 psychiatrists and mental health experts assessed a president And she told the Daily Signal and the Heritage Foundation that the this wasn't the case uh, for Biden. It's a different type of case. She says that cognitive decline is a normal part of aging. But she concluded the 25th Amendment question, therefore, is even more relevant to Trump as long as he wishes to be president again. But neither appropriate nor relevant for Biden at this time. Isn't that something? And again, this woman, a very nice person, I'm going to say, uh, she um, she did a debate with uh, the great one, Mark Levin, on radio, uh, probably about an hour long. And they just walked through this every step of the way. And um, and it was uh, I would say it was she she he maintained his cool and so did she. But I don't think she was able to sway anybody uh, over to her column that she had diagnosed Trump without ever meeting him, saying that he was nuts. And that we should remove him from office just based on what she'd seen on television. I think uh, that was ultimately something that people didn't believe. But I, I was in the studio that day when that happened. And I, it was a, an amazing conversation. And every break, I was the guy that was talking to her. And I was like, you, really, you want to stick around? Don't go anywhere, please. <laughs> we want to keep you on for as long as we can. And uh, it was a really good day. Anyway, uh, I want to get to your calls as well. There's a few stories I want to mention uh, in my Midnight Zoo list over here. We've got, let's see here. And we talked about, oh, so Putin killed uh, Alexei Navalny, right? Uh, or at least uh, he died in a Russian prison. This is the guy he tried to poison uh, last year, the year before. Two years, maybe. Maybe three, actually. 
might have been 21 when uh, that happened. And then he was uh, hiding, and then he went back to Russia, and then, boom, now he's dead. I don't know how or what or who, because, you know, people die in prison all the time, a la Jeffrey Epstein, right? And I guess we'll find out, or maybe we'll never find out. Uh, Again, you heard about the $355 million uh, penalty that they've put on Trump in suspending his ability to operate a business in New York. That's nuts. One of my favorite places is his little bar. Uh, in Trump Tower, uh, uh, 45 Wine and Whiskey Bar. Very nice bar. Great, great staff, good people there. And uh, I, I wondered, does it, him not running it mean that just someone else has to run it? I mean, it's just, it's really crazy to think that they're even going to try and impose uh, a penalty like that. Let's see, what else do we have here? We have this man that was charged for walking off with a gun that fell on the ground. Yeah, so that the Kansas City shooter uh, from that parade earlier in the week was tackled by a bystander. I guess the gun went flying and somebody else picks up the gun and tried to make off with it. Well, that person was now charged for picking up and walking off with the gun. And, um, and they were charged with an unlawful possession charge. Uh, Joe Manchin has announced he will not be running for president, which is pretty good. Um, because obviously that was not going to work out well for him. It's kind of late in the game to get involved. And, uh, let's see here. Uh, I, I can't even begin to talk about this one. Fentanyl, lollipops, maybe after the bottom of the hour. And let's see. Then we have this one. This is an interesting story. 21-year-old man from Tennessee flies to Michigan and attempts to enroll in a local high school. Why? To pursue a relationship with a 17-year-old girl. That's crazy. And this guy got in a, in a world of hurt for this. So we're going to talk about that as well as everything that you guys are bringing to the table. I see we got calls from Texas, Iowa, Tampa, Florida, and more coming in. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Eduardo calling from Tampa, Florida, WWTK. Go right ahead. Yeah, Rich, thank you for taking my call. Hey, I got to tell you, um, uh, what do you think about uh, the KC Police Department possibly? I'm not saying this is absolute. Maybe getting a little phone call from D.C. about uh, holding back on the names. Because just like the one over there in the Bronx, these suspects are young and they're black under 30 years old. And we don't want that on the news. I listened to the Spanish news and they did the same thing. They didn't uh, advertise the uh, race or the names either. Right. Well, I don't think think they know. I mean, I, I, I saw a video. It was very obscure from what I could see. And... I've always made the supposition that, you know, being in this business where I I consume a lot of news, that if you two things are happening, right? If you hear that there was a shooter or some sort of crime that was committed and there is no there's no information about the race of the uh, the person, it's almost safe to assume that they're African-American, right, that it's a black person. Um, because the media has always done this. And uh, in, in so far as I've been observing the media, that's how it is. If it, it's like the default, if it was a Hispanic person, it would say Latinx, Hispanic person, um, you know, asylum seeker, whatever they want to call it, but they would, they would call it something. And if it were a white person, it would say white man, you know, shoots, uh, you know, a Latinx woman and whatever. So clearly it's none of those. And I'm, I'm venturing to say that I'm probably right here. I have not seen any video other than the big aerial footage that I saw. 
And in that footage, I just saw a guy running. I don't think you could really make out whether they are, you know, Chinese, Asian, uh, black, white, Hispanic, anything. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that anybody has that information because I don't think the police have released it. So I don't think they have a name or a gender or even an actual age. But I do think it's safe to presume that when you don't hear anything, that it's typically that they're uh, um, black men. And I, that's not a rule that I've made. And it's it's not a rule that exists anywhere that I think we can prove. It's just an observation that I've had in observing news over the years um, that tends to be um, how it works out, Eduardo. Yeah, Rich, can I say one more thing? Uh, I think they need to hold these people because they should be able to learn like some kind of trade. I mean, this crime wave was born from the George Floyd uh, aftermath. That's something that needs to maybe pop up on a commercial. Yeah, I don't know the the, the, the details of it, honestly. Um, I know that it said that there was a personal dispute between these two guys. <clears throat> I do know that I think a lot of uh, the, these... Um, uh, I think Kansas City has had issues with crime for a long time. And I don't know if it's specifically to George Floyd or not. I do know that we've kind of normalized the things that arose during George Floyd and and like the looting and those types of things. And they never went away. I mean, they may have stopped in, in large part because people aren't taking to the streets and the numbers of, you know, hundreds at a time. But we're still seeing craziness um, where you know, even in New York, I mean, there, there are still movements in New York, uh, attempts to try and, and disarm the NYPD when they're the ones that are getting shot at by 15 year old uh, Venezuelan gang members. So clearly there's a disconnect here. Uh, some people believe that only bad people should have guns and that good people, you know, don't need them because they're good people. I think that's a very naive approach to life. And if, you know, you are able to have a gun, then you should probably have one just because it's your right. And that's my belief there. Uh, I do agree that we should have a focus on trades or any type of employment. Nobody should really be sentenced to a life of, of poverty because they, they lack a skill. Um, my, my hope is that everybody's going to learn something and be able to do something to, to succeed and to do what they do. And some of us are more fortunate than others to do things that we love to do, but it doesn't change the fact that we, you know, we need to do something. So I, I think uh, you, you raise an interesting point there. Eduardo in Tampa, Florida on WWTK. Thank you, brother. Have a great weekend. Folks, we're getting to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America, welcome back. We continue with your calls and more on all of the hot issues of the day. We're going to talk a little bit about Alexei Navalny in a little bit. Uh, Biden had drawn a line in the sand a couple of years ago and uh, definitely didn't keep his word on that. 
Let's go to Jim calling from Kansas City, Missouri, listening online through KFNX in Phoenix. Uh, Jim, what's your thought on what happened at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs parade? Hi, Rich. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. Uh, My thought is that I'm not buying. If if what I heard is true, um, and I'm sure that most of it is, I'm not buying that it was just a dispute because if it was a dispute, you would just shoot one or two people. Instead, he shot like dozens of times into a crowd of children. And, you know, so in my opinion, and if it's true that police officers are running toward the gunfire, then he should be charged with assault on a law enforcement officer, and he should be charged with dozens of uh, counts of attempted murder or whatever it is you get charged with and you shoot a machine gun. I mean, in my opinion, the gun is of little consequence because people do this all the time with cars or pickup trucks. They just run right into a crowd of people. It's the same thing. Yeah, listen, I agree with you. Uh, I think that you, you got to if you don't throw the book at people that are doing these things, they're going to keep doing them. The example has to be so severe, you know, zero tolerance, zero, zero, everything. Just, you know, go hard, because if you don't go hard on something like this, people ultimately, I think, lose respect for you. And they're like, ah, you're weak. You, you just got to show strength in a situation like this. And uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you're spot on here. Thank you, Jim, for your call. Kansas City, Missouri, listening on KFNX out of Phoenix. And uh, let's see, where do we go from here? Let's go to Ron, Council Bluffs, Iowa, listening on KMA. Go right ahead. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Rich. Uh, I'm just going to uh, tell you what I've learned through the news media. And there's a, another one that I get some uh, information on. As a matter of fact, is another news outlet that I pick up. Some lady narrates it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, here's what I've learned. Uh, The state of Texas has passed some new legislation, but effective March 1 of this year, coincidentally, our Congress and Senate will be on vacation. Uh, Anyway, this legislation takes effect March 1, which says that the state of Texas can arrest and detain illegal immigration. They have built a facility and are massing troops right now, National Guard troops in Eagle Pass, Texas. I believe we're going to have a big showdown there. Uh, They've also have built and are building a facility to hold these detainees. And during a matter-of-fact newscast, uh, they showed at least one container, and I was kind of surprised when they said what they said. It's full of dead bodies. Wow. Now, they can't hold those very long. It gets stinking so bad they couldn't stand it. Yeah. Listen, Ron, I, I don't know all about that, but I do know we're headed in that direction no matter what. If things don't change at the border, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. And from what I see, everybody's kind of hitting their limit on 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 what's happening there. This can't continue. It's unsustainable, and it has to stop. That's that's the best I could uh, sum it up. Ron and Council Bluffs, Iowa, listening on KMA. Thank you, sir. Let us uh, continue. Where do we go from here? We go to Sarah. Sarah's in Bedford, Indiana on WBIW. Sarah, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. 
End of the week. Good to, good to talk to you. Hey, Likewise. I wanted to say, uh, concerning that uh, shooting in Kansas City, you know, you, you do kind of wonder what's really going on. However, you know, the media glorifies the whole thug lifestyle, and I'm going to tell you, a lot of these guys are abysmal marksmen as well as cowards. I've seen a video one time of one gangbanger going after another, and the other started running and seen a little kid and tried to hide behind the little kid. Oh, you can, you sounds can, like yeah, Hamas. I'm, it was all a YouTube thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, so in some horrible way, it is entirely possible. I mean, maybe there's more to the story why he fired in that crowd, but then given what I know growing up in New York, it's entirely possible they're horrible marksmen and they don't care in between yeah, them listen. and their enemy, you know? I, I'm with you. Uh, I think there there are a lot of people that are used to drive-by shootings. They're they're not spending time at the range. They don't have trigger discipline. They're they're, they're just not uh, marksmen, you know. And I'm not saying that I am or that everyone should be, but I think everybody should should practice and train as often as they can, um, you know, so that you know it's it's familiar and it's not something that you you're rusty at when you attempt to use your your firearm for sport or self-protection or whatever else you use it for. However, um, you know, what what we're seeing in, in all different places is we've got people that are just tired and they're they're sick and tired and they're afraid and they're they're seeing the the landscape of, of our country change dramatically and not because of different people per se, but because of different styles of, of living. Right? We have a president that's just lawless bringing in lawless people that, you know, they're assimilating, right? They, we're, we're saying, hey, we've got an open border. You don't have to apply for asylum. We can call you an asylum seeker. Just come on in. And we, we, we're kind of um, welcoming that type of behavior. And it, it, it's not good for America from, you know, from any, any perspective. Just I can't think of any argument where that's a good idea. We need to do that. No, I don't think it's a good idea, and I definitely don't think we need to do it. But, uh, Sarah, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Big shout-out to everybody in Indiana, WBIW. And we're going to come back with the rest of your calls and more. We have more calls uh, that are in the queue. Looking forward to speaking with you. 833-4825-337-833-4 Valdez. Don't go anywhere, folks. It's Rich Valdez. Open Phone America, and we're coming right back. Mr. President, just a quick follow on the same theme of consequences. You said just now that you spoke to him a lot about human rights. What do you say would happen if opposition leader Alexei Navalny dies? I made it clear to him that I believe the the consequences of that would be devastating for Russia. I'll go back to the same point. What do you think happens when he's saying it's not about hurting Navalny, this, you know, all the stuff he says to rationalize the treatment of Navalny? And then he dies in prison. I pointed out to him that it matters a great deal 
when a country, in fact, and they asked me why I thought it was important to to continue to have problems with the president of Syria. I said because his violation of international norm was called a chemical weapons treaty. Can't be trusted. It's about trust. It's about their ability to influence other nations in a positive way. Of course, that was President Joe El Baboso Biden in Switzerland back in June of 2021. What a difference three years makes because now President Biden at the White House today totally backtracking from the quote unquote consequences that he laid out in 2021. Listen to what he says. And to be clear, you warned Vladimir Putin when you were in Geneva of devastating consequences if Navalny died in Russian custody. What consequences should he and Russia face? That was three years ago. In the meantime, they faced a hell of a lot of consequences. They've lost and or had wounded over 350,000 Russian soldiers. They've made in a position where they've been subjected to great sanctions across the board. And we're contemplating what else could be done. But the, the, what we were talking about at the time, there were no actions being taken against Russia. And that's look all that's transpired since then. What a difference three years makes, right? Uh, to that, I say, Joe El Baboso Biden, you are a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Amazing how you tried to be tough. If Navalny dies, I got a transcript right in front of me. It's not about hurting Navalny. You know, all this stuff he says to rationalize the treatment of Navalny. And then he dies in prison. I pointed out to him that it matters a great deal. Right? I made it clear to him that I believe the consequences of that would be devastating for Russia. Hmm. Of course, he says that they've already suffered so much at the hands of Ukraine. Then, you know, why, why should we, um, you know, even bother? Disgraceful, disgraceful. This only hurts everybody that serves in our military and makes everybody that lives in this country that much more at risk to being uh, susceptible to, to the lies, the fakeness and the phoniness and the fraud of, of this administration. Just, just so sad, honestly, it really, really is. Anyway, I want to get to your calls here. Let's go to Naperville, Illinois, uh, and check in with uh, Sherry. Sherry's calling us from Naperville, Illinois, on the uh, app Rich Valdez America at night.com. Sherry, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi, it took me forever to find you on the internet and to live stream because I'm a very favorite Chicago WGN Raleigh James follower. Um, yes. But since it's a replay of Monday night, I decided to try to look you up because of the, the, um, verdict on Trump and your producer, a.k.a. such and such, said you talked about it. But what's um, on your mind, Sherry? I think what's on my mind is I think it's been since he was previously convicted of fraudulent activity as in the civil court of New York. And I know and I feel and it's in your gut that he's been a liar. And when you talk about Trump organization, um, you know, they used to talk about the Al Capone organization. 
Well, and I think it's very different. Al Capone was a, was a bootlegger. Al Capone was a gangster. I mean, I'm sure at some point they were killing people. Donald Trump hasn't killed anybody. He's not selling alcohol illegally. The guy builds hotels and he ran for president. The point is they're trying to make profits off of suffering people. Who's suffering? I, I, who's suffering that goes to Trump Tower or to Mar-a-Lago? They're going to pay money, a bunch of money for stupid red hats and other marketed stuff. Well, people are buying those items. Pardon me? The people with the red hats are buying those items. That's their money. Yes, and they're spending their good, earned, hard-earned money. And you're on... saying that's wrong for them to spend their money the way they see fit? Oh, yeah. It's either donate to a campaign that's not going to be uh, um, used for his, po- uh, his political falterings and personal falterings in court cases. I mean, they're all paying in the system. I mean, I I had a wonderful teacher in high school. When we started Jefferson, he would bring his... Uh, he would bring the records from that era. He would wear the hat of their era. And James what does Blatter. he have to do with Trump? He taught me history. He taught me knowledge. He right. taught me truth. Right. But now, is Donald Trump a history teacher? I'm just not following the logic here. For you to pander to lies blows well, what my What are the mind. lies? What, what are the lies? Name one you think I'm thinking of. I'm not a mind reader, Sherry. I'm about to ask you what medication you're off of right now, but what are the lies you're talking about? On or off of any medication. I am a logical thinking Well, you don't sound logical. Person. You're making claims and you can't back them up. You just said there were lies. And then you asked me to name the lies that you're thinking about. Why don't you just tell me the lies you're thinking about and we can move on. Civil courts. Civil court statistically and uh, find Trump, which they already found him to be a liar. And um, well, they didn't find and, him to be a liar. They said that he inflated the, the price of a property to get a loan. He then brought in evidence from the bank that lent him the money, saying that they didn't think that anything was inflated. Uh, but there was no jury. It went to a judge, a judge that was clearly biased. And found against him. And I I think there was no surprise that that they were going to find against him. I think the big surprise was this big fine uh, that you seem to be rejoicing about. But I I can't imagine um, this being uh, fair in anybody. Just because you don't like Trump doesn't mean that we should change the law to go after people we don't like, does it? Shut me off and you are. Oh, it doesn't matter what I like. I'm a Republican. This guy's an asshole. He used to be a Democrat. (laughs) Great. Well, Sherry, thank you for for sharing your really, really intellectual and very deep thoughts on Donald Trump. Uh, This show will never be the same again. We are uh, that much better for it. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, Let us continue. We will uh, go to Susan. Susan is in Gilbert, Arizona. Susan, uh, what are your thoughts on Biden, Navalny, Trump, whatever? Go for it. Oh, um, I believe uh, uh, I wanted to talk t- talk about the Nikki Kelly because yep. uh, I believe I w- I heard her uh, interview with one of the uh, 
media, and uh, she say she is still um, uh, Democrat. And uh, uh, yeah, well, Nikki Haley's never been a Democrat, uh, as far as I know. She's always been a Republican. She might have some views that are in, in sync with Democrats right now, but um, as far as I know, she's not been a Democrat. Democrat and. Uh, uh, and she say, according to herself, her statement, she say um, uh, they don't want her, and uh, it's not because of her. So I believe uh, she still is a Democrat. And oh, then well, the, again, I don't have any reason to believe that Nikki Haley's a Democrat. Um, and if we could find some audio clips of her saying that she's a Democrat, that would be really interesting because she's running in a Republican primary. And she was a Republican governor, and she's been around for a number of years and served in a Republican administration. And as far as I know, she's always been a Republican. Um, she just happens to be running against Trump right now. So I, I see why people would say she sounds like a Democrat, but she is uh, a Republican. And I think the brand of Republican that she is is, is one that is dissipating within the party. Uh, there's not much of them left. But Susan in Gilbert, Arizona, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, we've got plenty of, of action tonight on the phones. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833 833- for Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. It's Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, we continue with your calls all across America. Let's go down south, Louisville, Texas, K-L-I-F, and check in with Don. Don, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Don, we can't hear you. Let's put Don on hold and let's continue. Let's go to Leslie. She's in Ventura, California, KVTA. Uh, she was on before. Welcome back, Leslie. What's on your mind? Yeah, hi. I was on before, but I didn't get on the radio, so I came back, and I'm really glad to talk. I listened to the radio, and I found you, and I'm glad that I found you. I always feel that I agree with most of what you say, and I hope you won't get back to me like one caller that says, well, 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 and it's like you've got a deep thinking but a shallow mind. So I hope that doesn't come across. Um, <laughs> anyway. So far, you're doing great, Leslie. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> a friend told me, told me that today, and, and, and he said his, 
he's a 90 year old and he said his mother told him that and i thought it was kind of cute so i thought I was yeah, good. it was anyway i i've only i've only called once before on any radio show i'm oh, wow. um, so i've i've taught school uh for preschool i've taught school for middle school and i've taught wow. adults um i have a education background and i um uh and you're Caller, screener, Tom, but he said something. Oh, you're for homeschooling. I'll go, yeah, I'm for homeschooling, but that's not why I'm calling. Yeah. Um, I have four adult, adult children and uh, two graduated from public high school in town and the other graduated from another public school in town and another graduated from a, a parochial Catholic school in town. And I tell people I would homeschool now and not because I'm an educator, but because of what I feel is going on in most of the schools. Would you say things are crazy right now? Yeah, I think things are crazy in almost all schools. <laughs> I'm with um, you. I'm with you, and you know, it's 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 refreshing to to hear that because again, um, you know, I have some limited education uh, experience as a board member, a school board member, but um, you know, you were in the classroom, and to hear you know someone like yourself that has experience being in the classroom, being around children, uh, serving as an educator, and you know, in agreement with me from just casually observing what's going on, thinking it's absolutely nuts. Um, uh, I think that's a, a good thing for people to hear in Radio Land that, you know, you, people should truly strongly consider homeschooling or doing something other than sending their kids to the government school, Leslie. Yeah, I, I, I'm on the radio right now. Me too. Small world. So, Leslie, what was uh, the bottom line? You want you think it's a good to uh, to. Uh, educate your kids yourself, and uh, did you want to add something? Yes, please. The bottom line was uh, what you were talking about, 37000 for child care. Okay, oh, yeah. I stopped two jobs. I, two, stop, two jobs I had thinking I had these children to be their mother, and why am I letting a 16-year-old watch them? You know. And another one, I said, wait a minute, I'm taking care of all these other children, and that was also at a child care center at a school. You know, and I'm thinking, I'm the one that had the children. And what I didn't like, and I will say this to you, that almost using children as a commodity to make a bunch of money, like start a child education place to take care of children so you can make lots and lots of money. What I'm against that is that why not let the parent, you know, you have these children, even if you have a doctor degree and you want to be a medical doctor, you are going to be a great doctor when you're 38 or 42, you can wait four years, three years, take care of your child. You can, when they are six months old, one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, you can put them together with other parents, you know, and they can have a social life. But this is your child that you had that is made in the image and likeness of God, and you're going to give them to total strangers who might be good and caring, but they are not the parents. Now, I know some parents cannot be good parents. Right. No, listen, Leslie, I think you hit the nail on the head. You're right. Um, this is the way it must be. And I think what you're saying makes a ton of sense. Uh, thank you for the call and for your kind words. Uh, Leslie in Ventura, California, KVTA, call back anytime. And uh, love to hear from people from that part of the country. Uh, coming back right now, speed round. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at 
night with Rich Valdez. All right, we continue with your calls in the speed round. Let's go to Judy calling from Cornelia, Georgia, WDUN. What's your thought on Trump, Judy? I just want to defend him for a man that don't have to put himself through what he is going through has to be a very strong man. And I hope that all this stuff, the situation that's going on in Atlanta, I hope that turns around and bites them in the butt. As Me well too. as all that happening yeah. in New York, the same thing. I hope it comes. I, I agree. I think the, the, the case in New York is, is ugly, and um, hopefully that they can put that on appeal and, and resolve it that way. The, the the case in Atlanta, I mean, it's just remarkable that you've got funny Willis and all this funny business that's going on. We talked about that at length yesterday, and we'll, we'll discuss it again uh, with our recap over the weekend. But I think you're right, Judy. Thank you for your call. Some people are just falling apart at the seams, honestly. Uh, Janet in Rhodes, Missouri, K-R-M-S. Janet, what is your thought on uh, Trump and the banks? Can they say that he inflated the price for the loan when banks do appraisals and they determine how much the loan for lending? I right. have never heard of such. Me neither. I've never I heard mean, of such you know a thing. yourself. You're 100 percent right. The the bank determines the value. They lend the money. They got the money back. Where is the crime? There, there's no crime here. Uh, I heard Alan Dershowitz, um, a Democrat, liberal Democrat from Harvard, uh, talking about this earlier, saying there, there was no crime here. This is something that he'd never seen in his uh, 50 years of practicing law, never seen anything like this. And and uh, I agree. This is um, the persecution of Trump. Uh, I mean, obviously, he doesn't do himself any favors because he's a, a bombastic and, and uh, you know, big, big figure. But that doesn't matter to me. Right. Ultimately, we don't change our laws because we don't like somebody's style or delivery or, you know, personality. It doesn't work that way. Anyway, uh, we got more calls than we have time. So I'm going to give a quick shout out to everybody. Joe in Salem, Arkansas, K-S-A-R. He says Biden um, is wrong on Navalny. I agree. He should have offered condolences. Jane agrees with that. Saratoga, New York, WGDJ. Paul in Zanesville says, Democrats are scared. I think you're right. We had one calling before. She was trying to rip my head off, saying all these crazy things about Trump. And Bill in Jefferson City, our resident historian, says that there is a commemoration for B-17 crew members tomorrow. Well, Godspeed to them and thank them for their service. David in Bowling Green, Kentucky, WKCT, charged the suspects in Kansas City as adults. I agree. Joe in Arkansas, big shout out to you. I'll be back on Monday. God bless. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.